Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Ho, managing member of the Hoglaw Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to talk again about Dr. Disrespect and his current situation, if you aren't familiar with it. Dr. Disrespect is a streamer, an influencer of sorts that has participated in the Twitch platform for some time, culminating in terms of his career with a massive multi-million dollar exclusive arrangement that he signed with Twitch only a few months ago before Twitch wound up banning him with basically no extra commentary on the reasons for why they were doing it. Now, Dr. Disrespect has presented an interesting kind of case study, both in this space and elsewhere around the internet, on what it means to have signed a contract, what Twitch can and can't do, why we might not be able to read into silence the way we might otherwise like to read into it. Because human speculation is a normal thing, and we all want to know why things that are important to us happened the way that they did. We want to believe in the platforms that we like if we really like Twitch. We want to believe in the streamers that we like if we really like Dr. Disrespect. And unfortunately, this is the kind of situation where we don't get that additional information. In the very first video I did on this, a lawyer's take on what we know, the main premise of the video was that there was way too much speculation and that when there is a contract dispute, we would expect the level of silence that we are seeing in respect of both Dr. Disrespect and Twitch. And so it wasn't an unusual thing. We didn't have to jump to conclusions about really, really bad things that might have happened really on either side, but that really hasn't stopped the rumor mill across the internet. So I wanted to take this opportunity and this particular series of videos and this topic to discuss a concept in the law that you might have heard me reference obliquely in various spots around virtual legality, but one that's very important to understanding exactly what is going on and why in every single contract-based news story that you wind up seeing, and really any news story that you see that relates to a lawsuit. So just after I did this most recent video, which discussed Dr. Disrespect giving interviews to the Washington Post and PC Gamer and talking about how he was using talking points and how his public relations team was using the ability to interview in a way that they thought would be beneficial to him, but probably was mostly just to get some form of communication out there in a way that they hoped didn't damage their client. He put out a video that said, essentially, in musical terms, it's out of my hands, but it's still in my control, which is another way of saying, in my opinion, that he wants to communicate that the lawyers and the representatives and the PR folks are on it and he is taking their advice to not overly speak, to not overly dramatize events because there are millions and millions of dollars on the line. And frankly, you can't take back what you said, even if you think it's to your benefit yesterday, it might not be tomorrow. And so his PR firm, his lawyers, the people that he's closest to, the people that he trusts to try to go get as much of that money as possible out from under that Twitch contract are telling him to be quiet, to only engage in interviews when there is a public relations person on the phone call or the Zoom call at the same time, only potentially communicate in somewhat cryptic music video form, but to otherwise listen. And as a lawyer, I have to say, it is a great thing to see a client with this much money on the line in an important case that everybody agrees is important and sensitive and everything else, actually listen and say, you know what, I'm going to let the professionals handle this conversation because that is the best chance of having the best outcome, even when it goes against 
what I would like to do, which is go out and clear my name or otherwise speak badly of this other contract party that we are now currently engaged in either an arbitration or a mediation or just angry letters being exchanged between each, uh, each other. And so I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to listen to those folks. But what I want to talk about is this notion of what's out of my hands and not just limited to clients listening to their representatives, their lawyers, their accountants, whoever it might be, but also this notion that contracts or rules or heck, even laws are these things that have to be abided by in all cases. And I think it's something that I have seen throughout the comments to the videos in this series. And it's something I want to dispel because very early on in law school, one of the first things that you do when you hear people talk about thinking like a lawyer, I usually think about it as going that next level deep, going that next layer deep. Now, human beings, you, me, everybody are inclined to listen to rules, to treat them as if they are things that are inviolate with certain exceptions, right? Nobody is really following the speed limit except as a guidepost to how much you can exceed it in various places. I don't recommend any illegal activity, of course, on this channel, but we all know that's the way speed limits are treated just from those people that are flying by us on the highway. So certain rules aren't treated the same way as others, but there is still in the human experience this notion that if you've promised something, if you've agreed to something, if a law says X, if a rule says Y, you can't violate it. And that is something that I think is ingrained in all of us, and it's just not the case. Contracts are, and you've heard me use this phrase in this space before, only the words on the page, and they are only effective at controlling another's behavior, whether that's the streamer or the platform or landlord tenant or anything else you might engage with in your life to the extent you are willing to enforce them. And this is a commentary that I have with my clients all the time. So I wanted to bring up a number of comments that I saw to some of these videos that I had done on this topic, not because they are wrong, not because they aren't saying things that a lot of people believe, but because it's important to understand when a story like this occurs that just limiting yourself to what the contract might say, what the terms of service might say, or the community guidelines might say is not enough to actually establish what we are seeing in a story in reality. So this is the first quote I pulled out. CAA, which is the agency that represents Dr. Disrespect, it is a point in all of my videos that he is represented by highly priced, highly competent representatives, counsel, probably accounting teams, as well as public relations firms. And that's an important part of the story. But some people say, hey, that means that everything else you've said, Rick, isn't true because the contract would have covered these things already. CAA is large enough and has a good enough legal team that the exclusivity contract that he signed would fundamentally exclude those incredibly broad terms in the terms of service and community guidelines. Now, the first response is, no, they wouldn't entirely exclude them. Any kind of contract that has you dealing with an application or a platform would have as part of those terms, the inclusion of you agree to abide by our terms of service. You agreed to abide by our policies and procedures. If you're on property at our headquarters or wherever else, you agree to abide by our community guidelines. And then on top of that, the contract will say, if you breach those provisions that you have otherwise agreed to with respect to these otherwise, as they say, incredibly broad terms, then we have to actually show that it was a material breach, that it isn't one of these kind of footfalls that we otherwise include for the people that aren't receiving ten, tens of millions of dollars from us. So that's a fair point that the additional exclusivity contract would have certain kinds of cause definitions associated with it. But that's only the first point. 
the main point, the primary point of all of this is that Twitch doesn't need a reason to just tell you that they are backing out. And that goes for all of these cases. It doesn't mean they don't have a reason, but we can't assume that they have one or that they have a good one or that they have one that they can prove. And that goes for everything that we might otherwise be experiencing in the news. When you think about lawsuits or contract breaches or anything else, people can claim what they want to claim. Clients come in and sit in my office and they ask me one of the primary questions when we're talking about a contract or a business that they're forming or a dispute that they're potentially getting into. And they say, Rick, can he sue me over this? And we sit back and we look at each other and I give the same advice to every client as I will give to you right now, which is that anybody can sue you for any reason. And I know you've heard me say that in this space, but it is the absolute God's honest truth. Anybody can sue you for any reason at all. They don't even have to know you because the court system isn't designed to block the first instance of the complaint. If you wanted to sue Hogue Law right now for a virtual legality that you particularly didn't like, you could file a claim wherever you are or in Michigan or wherever else. And yes, we would probably get that kicked really fast, but it doesn't prevent you from having to go through the procedure. Very similarly... Can they claim that I am breaching my contract for doing X, doing Y, not doing X, not doing Y? The answer is and always will be yes, they can claim whatever they like. So when we get to similar kind of comments, I agree with your analysis, except the fact that Dr. Disrespect has signed and negotiated an employment contract executed by a sophisticated talent agency, which likely has some good counsel, or said a little bit more succinctly, wow, read your contract, people. We have to step back and say, yeah, this is important. We're not in virtual legality parsing out terms of service and terms and conditions and contract language and statutes because it isn't important. It is. It's the fundamental rules upon which you are agreeing to kind of decide who would win if a lawsuit happened or if an arbitrator were looking at the thing. But it doesn't prevent you from getting into this situation that Dr. Disrespect has found himself in. So maybe he did something bad. Maybe he didn't. But either way, if you're on Twitch right now or YouTube, hello, Google, if you want to contact me about this, they could just say, we're banning you. We're suspending you. We find you in violation of X. They might not give you a reason at all. And unless you want to pursue some kind of dispute resolution with that party, it doesn't matter what the words say. They are just words on a page. So when I get all these comments, and there are a lot more along these lines, there are comments that say Twitch couldn't have done this the way you say because then they wouldn't have a good breach claim. If you take nothing else away from this video, the point is that's out of your hands. They can do whatever they like. When you are negotiating those contract terms, when you hire me or hire some other lawyer to have these early stage conversations with another party on your behalf, whether that's CAA or someone even bigger, what they can do is try to set the ground rules on which you will win when the other side does something bad, but it does not by itself prevent the other side from doing that bad thing. So the comments here are justified. I understand why they are made. They are essentially going to the second step. They're saying, well, Twitch will lose if what you say is true. And I say, well, maybe they will. And again, we aren't actually claiming that we know anything that anybody else doesn't already know. We aren't out there like some of these people on Twitter suggesting that we have hints and secret shadow information about what happened here or what didn't happen here. The point is, is that 
regardless of whether Twitch has a good claim or no claim, it would look identical to what we are seeing right now. So we can't make those leaps. In terms of lawsuits, in terms of breaches, these all wind up having the same kind of concept. You can't prevent the bad action in the first place. You look at the Michigan court system. A lawsuit begins when a plaintiff files a complaint with the proper court. You don't see anything there that says this is going to be adjudged in advance. Somebody's going to read it and say, no, you can't file that claim. That doesn't happen. The legal system in and of itself is the process by which the court determines whether the complaint is valid, which means you can't get out of the initial issue. And in the same way, you can't get out of the initial issue on breach. We look at Illinois. Any person 18 years or older may file a small claims case. Just, they can. And they can file a case of really any kind, but this was the page that said it most succinctly. So when we look at these types of issues, we can't assume that one side or the other is acting appropriately based only on the information that we have, which is silence. You now have a little bit more information from Dr. Disrespect speaking to the Washington Post and PC Gamer, where he says, essentially, I have no idea why they terminated me. And a number of my comments say that is ridiculous. He must have some idea. But go back to my videos. And I don't suggest that he doesn't have a whole cadre of reasons why he thinks that Twitch might want to fire him. As human beings, almost everybody can come up with a reason why their employer might be upset with them. I bet you can right now in 30 seconds come up with four or five. But that doesn't mean that that's the reason that they have. That doesn't mean that that's the evidence that they have. And so you don't offer it to them. And so when you say, well, Dr. Disrespect probably knows what he did, maybe, and maybe he knows a number of reasons why they could otherwise want to fire him. And it's very important not to say those things because it's worth 10 or $15 million. And if your lawyer isn't telling you not to say those things, they aren't a very good lawyer, get a new one. So anybody can sue you for any reason without knowing you. Anybody can declare that you are in breach. And so when you start to have these comments, it's important to understand that situation. Now, a number of commenters raised good points. Apparently, a number of people that watch virtual legality are lawyers, especially litigators, which I love. And I really like to have those conversations. Some of them agree with me. Some of them disagree with me. The one thing you will learn about the practice of law is that Reasonable minds can differ. Good lawyers can have different strategies. They can have different opinions as to your various strengths and weaknesses of the case before them. And so they can say things that are different. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It means that you got to find a lawyer that you're comfortable with that you feel is telling you good advice. This comment I liked in particular. The only thing I would add, and I don't know the law of the governing jurisdiction mind, but as a general principle, is that where you have this unilateral discretion on the part of one party, and he's speaking specifically in this case to the fact that Twitch probably has some authority to, to declare a breach, particularly with respect to violations of their terms of service or community guidelines, there is often an implied duty to exercise that discretion in good faith. And there undoubtedly will be, regardless of where a suit might happen. And in this case, it would happen in California, if at all, as we talked about in that video, under the rules of confidential arbitration under JAMS rules. And good faith is an important concept. We've covered it in virtual legality before, but it basically means that if you are Twitch, you aren't allowed to do something that the other side wouldn't expect. You aren't allowed to use your discretionary authority to get out of the benefit of the bargain in a way that is fundamentally unfair to the other party. But when I say not allowed, 
I don't mean that they can't do it in the first instance. I don't mean that they can't send a breach of contract notice to you and say, we declare you to be in breach. What I mean, what this commenter means, what the previous three commenters mean is that you can win that case, that Twitch will be shown wrong, that the arbitrator will hold for you if they aren't following the rules of their contract. And we just don't know. And I don't recommend using random forms for breach of contract notices that you find on the internet. Please don't. Please hire a lawyer if you've got real money on the line for these kinds of things. I know it sounds self-serving. You don't have to hire me. But when you look at these forms for these kinds of things, they are particularly poor. I use them because I don't want to accidentally breach any client confidentialities. That would be very bad for my business and very bad for my bar license. So when we look at something like this, you can see what they do. It's very similar to filing a complaint with the court. You send a letter, hopefully a little bit better written than this, that says pursuant to the contract name this that we signed up on this date, we find you in breach for violation of this section. And Dr. Disrespect and his team says that Twitch hasn't been specific about why they have done this, but in all likelihood, they have been specific enough to say exactly what they tweeted out, which is, we find you to be in breach of the terms related to your holding up the community guidelines slash terms of service. And yes, that is something, and it's not nothing, but it's also not clear enough for you to actually say, what did you fire me for? What are you holding up those millions of dollars for? And so I do think that PR and Dr. Disrespect's legal team is within their rights to say Twitch hasn't given us specifics, if in fact that is all that they have wound up saying. As I mentioned in my previous videos, I think we can basically take that as truthful that Twitch hasn't formally and in writing expressed to Dr. Disrespect why they have taken this step because he has gone out with such a definitive statement, because that statement was clearly vetted by legal counsel and his public relations team, it would be an absolute fool's errand to have that entire representative group go out with an easily disprovable lie like that. So I think we can take the truth value of that statement. It doesn't mean that he doesn't know a hundred things that Twitch could potentially be up in arms about, but it doesn't mean that he has to offer them to Twitch, and it doesn't mean that we can speculate on what those might be. This particular letter then says, while we prepare to file a lawsuit against you, it is hopeful that we can achieve a resolution. Again, I don't recommend that approach. You basically go out there and say, we're going to go get our damages back, or we're going to otherwise exercise the rights in section X and section Y of the agreement. And you should acknowledge this and potentially send us a check back, whatever it is that is going to relate to your contract. And then say, hey, if you don't do these things, we're going to have to consider our legal remedies and redress at a court of law or what have you. I don't like this kind of particularly aggressive approach up front, but different lawyers will have different strategies on these kinds of things. The point is, nobody has to be right to send this letter. Nobody. Now, the lawyer technically has an ethical obligation to make sure that he doesn't think his client's claim is completely specious, completely without merit, and is just trying to leverage their position against the other party. So the lawyer at Twitch or outside counsel has to at least believe that there is some plausible reason why Twitch could do this, but it doesn't have to be a good reason. It doesn't have to be a winning reason. It just has to be some reason. And Twitch has to say, we'll pay your rates and file that letter for us, send it to Dr. Disrespect. And then Disrespect's team says, what? No, that's not good enough. We're talking about 10 plus million dollars. We're going to have a conversation. At which point, all of the rest of the dispute resolution mechanisms, whatever they might be, in the exclusivity agreement kick in and which we can likely guess are going to be similar to those contained in the terms of service. Twitch wants to have arbitration in California, so in all likelihood, 
arbitration in California was what was agreed to as part of Dr. Disrespect's exclusivity license, which means that arbitration in California, if it were occurring, would happen confidentially and could be happening right now for all we know. But it doesn't mean that Twitch is an instant winner. It doesn't mean that Dr. Disrespect is an instant winner. But it also doesn't mean that when you listen to one of these episodes in virtual legality, or please listen to the rest of the series, we love to have you here or, or share it around with other people who might be interested in these topics. It doesn't mean we can say, oh, Twitch couldn't have done something bad, couldn't have claimed a non-breach because that would be outside of what CAA would have negotiated. We negotiate very good contracts. I am very proud of my work product here at Hogue Law. I never guarantee to a client that somebody can't be sued on a document I draft for them because it would be a lie. Anybody can sue you. What we can try to put you in a position to do is win and hopefully win quickly and win cheaply when they try to do something that is against you. Now, the most important part of all of this is that when we talk about this situation, Twitch is not just thinking about the words on the page, or they shouldn't be. We can't speak to whether or not they are acting idiotically in this particular instance. A comment was raised here. A number of comments mirrored this, echoed this, that said the following. If they actually did this, if they actually looked at the fall of Mixer, as we suggest in our first video, and said, you know what? The value of that Dr. Disrespect contract immediately was reduced. It is now worth much less than we thought it would be just a couple of months ago. We want to try to get out of it. Lawyers, see what you can do. Ah, we have this story. We have this rumor. We have this innuendo. Whatever it might be, let's get out of that contract. Then one thing that they are doing is they are playing a dangerous game, not with the contract language. Maybe they win that arbitration. Maybe they have a good enough piece of evidence. Maybe they settle. Maybe they equal on 50-50, but they still save that 50% of the money and Dr. Disrespect can do whatever he wants. We don't know how it will all wind up in the end. But what we do know is if Twitch doesn't have a good reason that they can share, then everybody who thinks about signing an exclusivity arrangement with them, maybe with Amazon, all affiliated entities, and maybe future streamers of a different sort, just in general in this industry, start to look askance at what is being told to them. The words on the page can't prevent the other side from being a bad actor, but their reputation sure as hell can. Any contract Twitch will want to sign in the future, and I don't just mean streamers, the other side will demand more because they know Twitch is shady with holding up their end of the bargain. There is a real, honest-to-God reputation cost associated with being a bad actor. I know it sounds arcane. I know you think about these things in virtual legality. We only ever talk about contract language and how people can burn you. My clients know me as the guy that can spin a thousand horribles out of whatever contract term we're otherwise agreeing to because that's my job. How can they burn you in a most cynical way two years down the line if we agree to this term? And then the client says, that's not acceptable or I can live with that. And that's how we proceed to negotiate their contract. But in a very real way, there is an element of trust that has to go along with the contract process for exactly the reasons that I articulate here. Just like Dr. Disrespect, the actual actions under the contract are out of your hands. You can't control what the other side will do. You can try to set the groundwork, the money they will owe you if they do something bad, what they will have to give you, what obligations you can get out of if they do that bad thing, but you can't command them to do one thing or the other with very rare exception. 
we talk about equitable claims in the court, but the court system in the United States is much more inclined to give people damages than they are to give injunctions to prevent someone from doing something and even less inclined to do orders to do something specifically. So if we had this in reverse, if Dr. Disrespect just wanted to get out of his contract and Twitch said, no, you agreed to only do things for us, even with that kind of breach, in all likelihood, Dr. Disrespect would owe damages, would owe money, and potentially be enjoined from competing with Twitch, but Twitch couldn't force him to stream on their service. That is generally a bridge too far in the United States jurisprudential system. So Twitch has to look at this entirely and say, if we don't have this kind of good reason, we might have burned a number of bridges and the people that we otherwise would have signed up essentially have to get a premium, right? I think this is actually framed correctly insofar as it doesn't say that Twitch can't sign people up. That's not how negotiations work. It means that that $500,000 contract might need to cost a million if you're Twitch because we just don't believe you'll hold up your end of the bargain. And when you act like this, that is more important than this particular issue. And it will be something to watch if you are interested in this story and continue to follow it as to what information actually comes out from these two sides. I still strongly think that this will end in a settlement and an NDA and an agreement to release the claims of each other. And we might not ever hear the number, but we probably will get some kind of press release because Twitch has a good name to try to go get back if it existed at all. And Dr. Disrespect has good reason to try to go seek a clearance of what has been rumor and innuendo that has generally influenced his career this entire time. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this video, we are talking about this and other topics in the world of business and law all through the prism of pop culture, the things that you and I know and love, video games, music, movie, television. So if you like this, subscribe, share it around, tell people that we are here. We've done now, as you could see in this video, a series on Dr. Disrespect. We're looking forward to continuing it, hopefully with some kind of finale at some point in time. But as long as there are still interesting things for us to say about it, for us to hopefully educate and illuminate you on with respect to law and business, we will continue to do so. And we very much appreciate you being along for the ride. If you saw this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.